0: This is the City of Refuge, in Georgia, Sunday morning podcast. The following is a live recorded sermon by Pastor Jeff Deal. We were talking out of Nehemiah 4 a few weeks ago, and then we uh, diverted from that because of a couple other things we wanted to talk about. And then Mother's Day last week. And Mother's Day was very cool, right? We did it in a little bit of a non-traditional way, with talking about the spirit of motherhood, and then in that spirit, giving away a car at the end of the service. <coughs> and that was fun. I enjoyed that. I think I think Nathan enjoyed it. And um, thanks to those of you who gave uh, money, so that when it's, when he goes to register it, he won't be burdened with anything there. And But I want to bounce back to Nehemiah because it's coming from every direction now, uh, to me anyway, I don't know about you. but And as I said when we started it, oddly enough, I had never preached or taught out of the book of Nehemiah. I think maybe I did like a a series in my devotional with my team at City of Refuge one time, long time ago. But as far as in church teaching and preaching, I never had (coughs) until now. But I'm hearing it all over the place, I'm studying it, and what's really striking about it, this shouldn't be a surprise, is how relevant that story is to our lives today, and our culture today, and what's going on. Because when Nehemiah was um, brought the news about the condition of his hometown, and his home country, it was devastating news, and the news was that the Place was in ruins; that it had been torn down, blown up, whatever you want to call it. The walls were down, the gates had been burned, and people had been taken captive, and it was total chaos. And it was very discouraging to him because he loved his home, town, and he loved the, his roots and where he came from and all that. But he himself was living in captivity, but he had a pretty cush life to be. Uh, in captivity, you know. He uh, was working in the king's palace. He was cupbearer to the king. It was a pretty important position. I'm sure he had a nice room to live in and good food to eat and all that. And and he was a cupbearer, so he had to check all the drinks that were brought to the king by tasting them himself to make sure that nobody was trying to poison the king. So it was a high-ranking position. But it wasn't really where he wanted to be, and it wasn't really where his heart was. So when his brothers came to visit him and he asked his brother what's the condition, his brother fills him in, he immediately becomes burdened about Jerusalem and about his homeland and about his people. And so we're going to look at Nehemiah chapter 4, and we've already talked about the story of how he went to King Artaxerxes and he asked to be able to go back home and to lead this project. And the king not only gave him permission, but also funded the project in some ways by supplying materials and giving him passage through the forest to be able to get there. And there's something that was pointed out uh, this past week that, um, and I think maybe Bruce said it out at the farm or somewhere, that actually... um, It took longer for Nehemiah to travel back home than it did for them to complete the project once he got there. And there's a lesson in that for all of us because we're all trying to get somewhere, right? And we all know that that thing is out there for us. And we all know that that calling is real, and we can't escape it. We can't get away from it. And we feel it inside of us, and we know that we're anointed and empowered to do it. It just hasn't really opened up for us yet. It just hasn't really fully developed yet. And so we're still plodding along, trying to get there. And here and there, discouragement comes, and distractions show up. And and we just wonder here and there whether... It's ever going to really happen the way we know. And, you know, we may not have all the details, but we know something's coming. We have a general idea about it. But listen, the journey to get there is just as important as the getting there. As a matter of fact, I'm a firm believer that through the journey, God prepares us for what's coming and He's not going to turn us loose inside of that until we are prepared. I'm a firm believer that God is not going to place anything in your hand that He can't trust you with. And He can't trust you with it until you've proven through the steps and the process of the journey That you can be trusted. That's the whole lesson behind him, us us doing the right thing with small things before He entrusts us with bigger things. Now, you may say, well, blessings have come my way and things have happened for me. Listen, we often make the mistake of giving credit to God for something that God wasn't responsible for. You know? We do two things often. We blame the devil, we blame the enemy for negative things that come our way when the devil's not always responsible for negative things. Huh? Uh, I'm here to tell you this morning that sometimes the Father, by His Spirit, will send things your way that seem negative but it's really for your growth and for your maturity. And they're hard. They're difficult. You you find a struggle in it, but it's there to make you strong. It's there to make you mature. It's there really to get you ready for what He wants to do in you and through you, but it's a necessary difficulty. So don't be too quick to start blaming the devil for everything that don't feel good. And as I said, the second thing we do is we give God credit for things he's not responsible for. Now believe me, he is responsible for a lot of good things. But there may be something that comes to you that seems like it's right and it feels good, and it has some positivity around it, that doesn't mean it's from God. You say, well, my Lord, Jeff, how do I know? Oh, you already know the answer to that. Come on. I felt you asking it, but then at the same time, you already know the answer. Live your life as an obedient son and daughter to the Father, sitting with him, hearing from him, digging into his words, meditating on those words, saying yes to whatever he's doing, saying yes to whatever he's saying. Little by little, he will transform you from the inside out. Little by little, he will open up your spiritual ears to hear. Little by little, he will open up your blinded eyes to see. And then you will know, and your knowing will be by the Spirit and not by your own intellect, or your own capabilities, that's how you know. That's how you know. If you know the voice of God, if you know the heart of God through your own personal communion and devotion and fellowship and relationship with God, then He's not going to abandon you. He's not going to lead you down a rabbit trail. He's not going to mislead you anywhere. You're going to know when you get to those crossroads whether it's God or not. Don't be afraid of that. So, Nehemiah goes off and finds this tremendous job that has to be done. It takes him 52 days to complete the project. Remember where he's coming from, Persia. Do you know where Jerusalem is way over here near the Mediterranean Sea? You got to go across the rest of Israel. You got to go across what's now Jordan. You got to go across all of Iraq, which is a big country, and you got to go halfway into Iran, modern-day Iran. That's where Persia was. That's a long ways on the back of a camel. It took them a lot longer to make the journey than it did to complete the job. I was in my mid-40s having been in full-time Christian vocational service for 15, 17 years before I actually felt like God started to do anything significant with me. The, the, The living in His purpose is just now catching up with the journey. And I'm 61. Right? Don't... Hey... Count the journey to be a tremendous blessing, not a problem, not a distraction, not a difficulty. The journey is a blessing. And when you start to enter that promised land, it's going to be so much better than it would have been if you had broken in earlier before you deserved to be there or tried to, as if that's even possible. Nehemiah chapter 4, we're going to walk through it a few verses at a time, and we're going to see what we can learn here today, all right? So we're going to look at verses 1 through 3, when Sanballat heard, so they're, they're they're in it, they're into the work, they're rebuilding the walls, they're rebuilding the gates, they're facing opposition, that's what this first part is about. When Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews, and in the presence of his associates and the army of Samaria, Samaria, he said, what are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can... Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble, burned as they are? And Tobiah the Ammonite, who was at his side, said, What are they building? Even a fox climbing up on it would break down their wall of stones. Lesson number one. The world will always oppose what God's people are doing and usually for unexplainable reasons. When I read this, every time I read this, the first word that comes to my mind is, why? Why, instead of jumping in and grabbing a shovel and grabbing a trowel and helping to rebuild your city and helping to restore your culture, in helping to regain your lifestyle with your people, why are you standing out here making problems, offering opposition? It makes no sense. What do they have to gain? to continue to be in captivity, to continue to be under somebody else's rule, to continue to pass by your city and see what used to be a beautiful, secure place to live with families thriving and working and going to school and doing what they were doing and enjoying life together and seeing nothing but piles of garbage and destruction and chaos. Why? Listen, all I can do, and my advice to you, is to do the same is to not worry about why the world is doing what they're doing because it's never going to make any sense. You are never going to figure it out. I saw a video clip this week of a United States Congress person. I don't know what pronouns they use, but it was a person of some sort. Screaming like some sort of a Maniac. Distorted words and language hair flying all over the place about something that's just as obvious as Tony's sitting right here how right and wrong one side or the other is and I'm like why and who elected you by the way you've lost your mind and and, and if you start trying to figure out what's behind it the why behind what they're doing you can't figure it out it just your head just goes fuzzy. Just get dizzy. So let's not try to figure out why. Let's just acknowledge that the world is always going to be opposed to what God's people are doing. And it's not going to make any sense a large part of the time. But that doesn't mean we should stop our work. doesn't mean we should end our focus. doesn't mean we should not continue to do good works just because they're out there yammering and talking and making no sense just to bring opposition for the sake of bringing opposition. Listen to what this dummy says. What are they building? Even a fox climbing up on it would break down. This is just nonsensical. The people are mixing mortar and laying blocks and hammering boards together and building their city. And he's got nothing better to say. He's got, he's got no substance to what he's saying. And it's just a clear contrast between how God in His kingdom and true followers of God operate and how the enemy out there in the world and the spirit of the world operates. Over here, you've got a solid plan. Over here, you've got the blessing of God. Over here, you've got hard work, good works. Over here, you've got a family environment. Over here, you've got the protection of freedoms. Over here, you've got chaos. Over here, you've got confusion. Over here, you got kicking and screaming. Over here, you got all sorts of nonsensical talk. The reinvention of language. <laughs> You're always going to have it. And these guys, Sanballat and Tobiah, are leading the charge and they're gathering their troops. So, first of all, let's not try to figure out any logic behind it. And secondly, let's make a commitment to do this. All right, you ready? It's going to be new. Let's just let them do whatever they're going to do. Just let them do it. You say, well, well, shouldn't we be responding to that? I'm going to say today no. If they show up on the courthouse steps losing their minds and carrying on about this, that, and the other, shouldn't we gather on the other side of the street and start yelling back at them? No, because that puts us in the same boat they're in. Let's just let them do what they're going to do. And the biggest reason is this. Every minute, listen, every minute that you spend engaging in argument, engaging in battling back and forth with people who are promoting things that you don't believe in, Every minute you spend giving attention to that, every ounce of energy you give to that is a minute and an ounce that you could have been using to promote the kingdom of God and doing good works in the earth and blessing God's people. I'm not willing to pay that price tag. I'd rather do good works than to waste my time in debate. Let's go to verses 4 through 6. Hear us, our God, for we are despised. This is back to Nehemiah talking now. Turn their insults back on their own heads. Give them over as plunder in a land of captivity. Do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sins from your sight. For they have thrown insults in the face of the builders. So we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height. For the people worked with all their heart. Lesson number two, just keep working with all your heart. I already, already opened that subject up, right? Focus and work and do good and bless people and pay careful o- attention to what Jesus had to say and just do what he said do and you'll be in good shape. Nehemiah pauses for a second to pray, right? That's a pretty, pretty good idea. Let's, before we do anything, let's pray. He pauses for a second to pray and just say, God, you know what's happening over here. We're going to let you handle that. Just heap back on them what they're trying to heap on us. And then he goes back to work. Let's look at verses 7 to 9. But when Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the people of Ashdod heard that the repairs to Jerusalem's walls had gone ahead and that the gaps were being closed, they were very angry. Why? There's the question. (laughs) Why? (laughs) They all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it, but we prayed to our God and posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. So you've got two guys who start talking, who start spreading negativity, who start inseminating poison into the minds and hearts of people. They start to gather a few people who want to be involved in that kind of thing because negative people love negative people and negative people flock together like birds, right? And they love to sit around and criticize and they love to sit around and talk, point out what's wrong in somebody else. And what they're probably really doing is covering up what's wrong in themselves, but they want to shine the light over there to keep the light off of them. But now what's happened is two guys have turned into a mob. And what we need to know is this. The intensity and and there's this debate going back and forth now in the Christian world is you know, because people don't know how to pray these days, I think. It's like, should we pray that things turn? Should we pray that the nation get better? Should we pray that we go the right way? What should we do? How should we pray? It seems like we've we've gone past the point of no return with a lot of things. It seems very hopeless in a lot of areas. We can't answer those questions. We don't don't have the answers to it. We don't know. But I think we know we have a good idea of how we should approach it if we use the models from the Scripture, if we use the teachings that God has already given us, if we use the examples that are laid out in stories like this. And what we do know is that the enemy is not going to relax. Are you hearing me? He's not going to relax. If you enter into a period of time that feels peaceful, where you're, you're living in some contentment, some tranquility, where you're enjoying some blessings, you're feeling good physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. I love it when that happens. And I want you to really enjoy that. But I don't want you to get comfortable and think that you're good to go from now on. Because all the enemy is waiting for is for you to start feeling that way. (laughs) That's all he's waiting for. And then all of a sudden he's going to blindside you. And everything you thought you had a grip on is gone. And now you're back in the struggle Now you're back in the fight. Now you're dealing with that grief. Now you're dealing with that pain. Now you're dealing with that depression. Now you're dealing with that busted relationship. Now you're dealing with that rebellious child. The enemy never relaxes. That's why our commitment has to be to continue to work, to stay focused, to live in communion and fellowship with Him so that we know His voice. And when those difficult times come, we have full expectation and confidence that His Holy Spirit is going to show up, not necessarily to pick us up out of the trouble, not necessarily to move the trouble out of our way, but 100% guaranteed to take us by the hand and walk right through that trouble with us. That's it. That's the benefit. Looking at verses 12 to 13. 12 and 13. Then the Jews who lived near them came and told us ten times over, wherever you turn, they will attack us. Therefore, I stationed... I love this right here. I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed places, posting them what? By families with their swords, spears, and bows. By families, listen, we've got two kinds of family in this room. We've got your biological family, if you have any here with you, and we've got our kingdom family. And both are huge, and both are important, and both should be sources of strength and protection provision and preparation for us. And we have to stay in the context of family and community. If you're struggling to maintain a healthy relationship with God and other people, then you need to reconnect with family. You say, well, my biological family is jacked up. You know, if I go over there, That's not going to go in a good direction. That's going to go in the other direction. Well, then don't go over there. Like I said, let them do what they're going to do. That includes blood kin. Let them do what they're going to do. Doesn't mean you don't love them. Doesn't mean you don't pray for them. But my Lord, don't go over in that camp and try to hang out and have some kind of a healthy relationship when they're acting the fool all over the place. Just let them do what they're going to do connect yourself with some good family. And you if you have no good biological kin, my apologies, but we got a great family here you can be part of because we consider one of the major parts of our roles as a ministry is to fill those family gaps. Fill those family gaps. That's why we do kids programming. That's why we invite whosoever will. If you feel like you don't belong, then you belong right here. We fight in families. We work in families. We protect in families. I can't go back and fix the the deterioration that's happened in God's design of family through the years in the world. But what I can say is there is a replacement if you want to be part of it. And that replacement is God's family. Brothers and sisters, mothers and fathers and grandparents and cousins all being together and supporting each other and bearing one another's burdens and and helping to supply what the other one lacks and praying for each other and encouraging each other. The fight... Today, listen, the fight today is for our families. That's where it starts. And I'll tell you how I know that. What's the first institution that God ever set in place? It's the institution of family, it's a God designed, it's a God born, God bred, God developed institution. The enemy never relaxes on attacking the good things that God set in place. But God's intention for us never changed. Still hasn't to this day. And our responsibilities as families, no matter what the situation is in your own family right now, is to work and to protect each other. To work together and to protect each other we got to fight for our families today. We have to strategize and know exactly where we are and what's going on, and we have to fight against it. We have to be ready. Look, Nehemiah says, he placed them by families with what? Their swords and spears and bows. Won't you do a quick self-examination? Won't you do a quick self-examination? When's the last time you in your family, whatever the nature of your family is, just had a serious relationship about God and what he's doing and what his plans are and what's going on in the world? About the Holy Spirit and how he's with us all the time. When's the last time you talked about that? When's the last time you considered anything from God's Word together as a family? When's the last time we prayed with each other and for each other as a family? We did that here in this family. What about in your own biological family? How often when the problems and the questions, the struggles come up, do we talk about the negative stuff, what's wrong, or we talk about the new medications we need to get our hands on, or we talk about the new doctor we need to see, or we need to talk about, how, or we talk about how, how much more we need to watch Dr. Phil. Maybe he'll come up with the answer one day for us. Or we talk about what book we need to read or what podcast we need to listen to. Or how often do we say, well, i tell you what, why don't we pray about that? Why don't we start right now, right here, and pray about that, and why don't we keep praying about it after we leave here? How about that? Why don't we see what God wants to do in it before we go run into all other sources? Families, swords, spears, and bows. What does that mean? It means we weaponize ourselves with the Word and with prayer. So that when those attacks from the enemy come, number one, we recognize them. Number two, we know how to fight against it. And finally, starting at verse 14, after I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your families, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. When our enemies heard that we were aware of their plot and that God had frustrated it, we all returned to the wall, each to our own work. And from that day on, half of my men did the work while the other half were equipped with spears and shields, bows and armor. The officers posted themselves behind all the people of of Judah who were building the wall. Those who carried materials did their work with one hand And held a weapon in the other. Don't you love that picture? (laughs) The King James has a trowel in one hand and a spear in the other. Ready. Working and ready to fight. Working and protecting. Working and being smart. Yeah, I think prayer meetings are good. I think worship conferences are good. I think all that stuff has its place. But that can't be all we do. That can't be all we do. You know, if you're a little feeble grandmother who you can't get out and lay block or, or muck the horse barn, right? You go to your prayer closet. I'm extremely grateful for that, and that's absolutely necessary, and that's the role she can fill, so she fills it. But if you're able, while you're praying, you ought to be working. That age-old statistic that drives people like me nuts that 20% of the people do 80% of the work in churches. 20% of the people give 80% of the money in churches. Y'all know me. You know my opinion. If you in that 80% that don't do anything, don't give anything, just stay home. None of these chairs need your warm behind on them. That doesn't accomplish anything. If people are not going to get in there and work and give and love and serve, what, what's the point of going to church? Because what we're doing, we're going to church, but then we're ignoring everything Jesus said because I do believe He said, feed the hungry, clothe the naked, serve the poor, take care of widows and orphans, put shelter over the poor homeless wanderer. I think the, all that stuff's all through the Bible. It's the heart of God. It's the instruction of God. His son came and validated it through his own actions and through his own words. And it's what he's commanded us to do. So why would we not do it? Sorry about that. I got loud on that one. I think I've been loud all morning, hadn't I? Wound up. I'm acting like a preacher. Each of the builders wore his sword at his side as he worked. We know the the, the metaphor, the, the sword of the spirit, but you know we got to take these things seriously. It has to be real in our lives. The sword as his, at his side as he worked, but the man who sounded the trumpet stayed with me. Why is that? Why is that? Because. You've got to have a gathering ground. You've got to have a gathering place. You've got to have a central focus. Nehemiah is their leader. He keeps the trumpet player right by him. So if there's trouble, if there's a reason why all the people need to gather, the trumpet player hits a blast. Everybody hears where that blast is coming from, and they go to that spot. I think that's a great plan. I think that's why we come in here and do what we're doing right now. is because the trumpet sounded not that trumpet. We didn't miss it. Just the trumpet for us to come here and worship and hear the Word, right? Why? Because we got work to do next week. We have fighting to do next week. <clears throat> then I said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, the work is extensive and spread out, and we are widely separated from each other along the wall. Where, whenever, wherever you hear the sound of the trumpet, join us there. Our God will fight for us. So we continued the work with half the men holding spears from the first light of dawn till the stars came out. At that time I also said to the people, have every man and his helper stay inside Jerusalem at night so they can serve us as guards by night and workers by day. Neither I nor my brothers nor my men nor the guards with me took off our clothes. Each had his weapon even when he went for water. What a beautiful picture of the kingdom of God families who come together as a bigger family to do God's work, to fight for the things that God has given us, the blessings that He has for us, the institutions that He's established. So we go. Listen, I want you to go out of here today and I want you to keep it. I want you to leave here with a work and fight mentality. Work and fight. Fight for your kids. You know, we have another pandemic that's been around longer than COVID in the world, and that is people who are producing children but not completing the other three Ps. Because if you produce a child as a parent, you have a responsibility to provide for that child. You have a responsibility to protect that child. You have a responsibility to prepare that child for the future. It's not just about the producing. How many millions of children you think there are around the world right now that have nobody providing for them adequately and or protecting them and or preparing them for a great future? That's pandemic. That's the attack on the family. Listen, the enemy really is after our kids. He really is after our kids because you know what our kids are? Our kids are us a few years down the road. And then what does the world look like if he got them when they were 8, 9, 10, 12 years old? So we go out of here with a work and fight mentality that we're going to continue to do the work that he has set before us with diligence with passion, with excellence, with dignity, with integrity. And then we're going to fight for our families. We're going to fight for our kids. We're going to have this warrior mentality all the time that we're working. And we're going to pray, and we're going to love, and we're going to serve, and we're going to be obedient. And then we're going to watch God produce God results. Are you all good with that? Amen. Father... Thank you for the story of Nehemiah because, man, it just hits home with us and where we are today in our society, and our world. Thank you for the lessons we've picked up today, and I pray we would all take those with us and that we would go forth with more of a work and fight mentality that, than we've ever had. And we're going to be that example to other people in our neighborhoods, in our schools, at our workplaces, in our communities. And they're going to see us, and they're going to say, man, that seems like the right way to live. Seems like the right way to do family. It seems like the right way to worship. And so we commit ourselves to that work and fight mentality today. And I pray your blessings of peace over your people as they go. Give us a great week. Keep us from danger, harm, sickness. And in all ways, may your people be blessed and you be glorified. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you all for being here.